When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan, and welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, make sure that if you're not subscribed, that you become subscribed, because we have new episodes coming out every Monday. And if you've been uh, a fan of the show for a while, and you want to get in touch, or you have an artist that you'd like to recommend, uh, the best way to get in touch is to message us on Facebook or Instagram, and we check that every day, so that's the best way to find us. And lastly, uh, if you love the show and you want to consider uh, helping us out and you want extra stuff, because everyone loves extra stuff, click the Patreon link below and become a patron. You get episodes early and special access to our favorite segment, which is the Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about the six worst songs from our artists that week. And uh, last week, we tried something new that we're going to keep continuing uh, where me and Grant have literally no idea who the artist is, and we have been waiting in suspense. The only clue that we got is that it's from the 70s. So, Lucas, um, who are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about one of the bands that created and shaped hard rock and heavy metal in the early 70s. My guess would have been totally wrong then. I was going to oh. guess Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh nope! <laughs> I, this is a this Go is a band that, that I'm honestly a little ashamed that I've taken this long to get to them. But I felt like that this was a good time. We're going to be talking about Deep Purple. Ooh! Ooh. Oh! Oh, oh! I figured oh. Grant would be excited about that one. Oh, see, I've never gotten into them. I never got into well. I guess it's a great transition to first thoughts. So I'll go ahead and get my first thoughts. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. But um, I've never, I've never gotten into them. But I've always heard amazing things about people who are really into that classic rock, you know, early metal stuff. That it's like they are, like they have a level of musicianship that is unparalleled. Um, well, That's I, I don't, I don't say unparalleled, but, but, but I get <laughs> no, that. Unpar- unparalleled is pretty accurate. I get, I get that impression. I mean, obviously, because I don't listen to them. Like, the only Deep Purple song that I heard, you know, all the way through and actually intentionally listened to is Highway Star. Obviously, everybody knows Smoke on the Water. Um, that was not my first guitar riff. Um, it was actually Paranoid. Um, but, like, same era, right? And, and oh, gosh, it's just, I don't know 
hardly anything about them other than they're like kind of kind of you know progressive ish for the time progressive meaning moving forward not necessarily prog um and they have a keyboard player and they're also pretty pretty rocking i just i there's nothing that i know <laughs> but i'm really excited to learn about a legendary band so does that put you I, at a five i'm just straight straight up five straight up five okay i am i am also a five but i think that i'm coming at it from a different angle if if he wouldn't have said smoke on the water i would have had no idea i couldn't have named you a single song that deep purple had ever done i i have literally no schema or context for them at all i have heard the name deep purple as a band before i've probably seen some hipster wearing a thrift deep purple band shirt but other than that i i'm at a five because of ignorance wow okay this is a blank slate episode well this is a blank slate i had a pretty good knowledge of deep purple i wouldn't say that you uh, gotta give you gotta give us your 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 before the research number. Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Like before I did this research for this episode, I'm like I uh I had bought their Machine Head album a long time ago and I've always loved that record. And I had heard other songs from other records as well. Um but I never would have considered myself a super fan, although Highway Star is maybe one of my all time favorite jams. And so mm-hmm. um I that song has always been very near and dear to me. And so because of that, I would say that I'm like I'm like a a a low 7. I'm in the 7 range to where it's just like, yeah, I've got some there's some stuff by Deep Purple I really like. One song of theirs that I love. But outside of Machine Head and a couple of other big popular tracks, I'm not really too familiar with them. And of course, you know, I, I, I knew what their legacy was. I knew why they're important. Um, you know, I, I understood how great of musicians. I just, I hadn't really taken that next step to kind of like really start going deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm starting uh, to feel like these puns are intended because there's at least two per episode. They're not though. That's the way my brain works. Um, so that's that's where I start as someone that understands how important they are and knows kind of the the basic level entryway and had not yet taken the deep plunge. So then, give me the give me the history. How who's in the band? How did they start? So Deep Purple has one of the most unstable lineups of a band probably ever. Wow. Okay. They have so many different versions of the band that you have to refer to which lineup you're talking about by calling them the Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 4. I think you can start getting to like Mark 10 and 11 at some point. Um, but I somewhere around like 10 or 11. Okay. I would say actually right now the lineup is maybe the most stable it's ever been. Are they still doing stuff? They're they were in the middle of their farewell tour whenever COVID happened. Mm. Didn't they release a new? Uh, yeah, a new album came out last year. 
So, you know, it could be that they still make music and just don't tour, or maybe they still do like standalone shows. Mm -hmm. But there are several key members. Like, there is one member of Deep Purple that has been on every single release, and that is drummer Ian Pace. Is he the uh, is he the mastermind or he's just the ultimate mm, team player? Nope, he's just he's just the guy that just has happened to be there. <laughs> oh, okay. but he is he's one of the greatest drummers I've ever heard in my life. Wow! And Ethan, I'm very excited for you to even coming off of a Dave Grohl. Uh, yeah. I mean, this guy he's one of the biggest jumps in my appreciation for Deep Purple is realizing how legendary of a drummer Ian Pace is. I mean, there's some stuff he does that I can't even. I'm I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around. Is that where the the drum brand comes from? No, you're okay. thinking of Peisty. I am. There's a T in there. I don't know. I don't know a drum brands. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> right. Um, I'm a guitar player. Yeah. But so he's the only one that's uh, been through the whole lineup. But what we're going to talk about in this episode is what is referred to as the classic lineup, which is the Mark II, which lasted from 70 to 74. So who started the band? So the band was started by keyboardist John Lord, who stayed with the band all the way up until his retirement in the mid-2000s, and he unfortunately uh, died of cancer in 2012. Oh. And the reason he stepped down was because he was ill. Uh, honestly, if had he not gotten cancer, he would probably still be in the band today also. He, him and guitarist Richie Blackmore are the two, like, masterminds of Deep Purple. I've it's when Richie Blackmore. Richie Blackmore is, is a probably, I'd say, a top five all-time guitar player. I've heard he uh, switched to... Uh jazz or something because he said that the audience pays more attention uh no he plays like medieval rock and also <laughs> some heavy metal <laughs> he is not like jazz close that is so weird close though You're you might close. be thinking of jeff beck jeff beck switched to playing jazz maybe okay um rich no richie blackmore is one of the greatest guitar players of all time and john lord is part of the holy trinity of rock keyboard players where it's like these those three him uh keith emerson of emerson lake and palmer and rick wakeman of yes are like the three most heralded rock keyboard players of all time wow john lord is a monster so we're we're really uh we're really stacking the deck here Yes, you've got Ian Pisces, who I think is one of the all-time great drummers. Richie Blackmore, one of the all-time great guitar players. John Lord, one of the all-time great organ players. So the, it starts in 67 with those two meeting up. And really, it's it was Richie's band, but John was the first one to join. Okay, kind of like a like, situation. Yeah. And then... Um, they have their original singer and original bass player, and then uh, Ian was the last member to join before that first record was made. Um, they had a pretty big hit right off the gate with a song called Hush, which, Ethan, you probably remember from Guitar Hero 2. 
It says the no na 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 na. Hush, hush. Thought I heard calling my name now. Hush. So that was like that was like number that went to number four on the charts, and so they it was a huge pop hit in '68, and so that kind of like got their momentum moving. But then they could not get another hit after that, and by the end of '69, um, Richie and John were really fed up, but they both had opposing viewpoints of where to take the band. Richie wanted them to be a heavy metal group at a time when heavy metal really didn't even exist yet to like to go as hard as you can go where John Lord is classically trained and he wanted to do symphonic work. Remember how I talked about that in our Metallica S&M episode that uh, Deep Purple was the first really to experiment with yeah. melding a rock and symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was John's vision. And so Richie made a deal with him. He said, okay, we're going to try your idea first. If it's bigger success than my vision, then we'll do yours. But you're going to make an album that you want to make, and I'm going to make an album that I want to make, and we're going to see which sells better. That's fair. So John wrote an entire three-movement concerto for an orchestra that melded also the band with it. And that came out first in nineteen in early nineteen seventy, and it's a it's an astounding achievement. And was it, it received well. Yeah, it was. But then later that year, Deep Purple in Rock came out, which was Richie's, which is along with Sabbath's uh, debut record, one of the albums that created heavy metal. <laughs> and in Rock was a runaway success. It was a big album success. So it performed better than the orchestral movement. Yep. And so John was like, "Okay, you win. We're going to be a metal band." <laughs> was, was it? Was it? Marginal really was it marginal? Was it pretty overwhelming? Was it what? Was it a marginal victory, or was it pretty overwhelming? It was pretty overwhelming. And also with this, we have the introduction of vocalist Ian Gillen who is one of the great legendary rock vocalists of all time. And we have bassist Roger Glover, who is the one guy in the band that's not one of the greatest of all time, but he's also the band's primary lyricist. So, oh, that's he, Yeah, him him and Gillen were like the the main songwriters of the band. Uh, but although usually always came from Richie first, he kind of always provided that first spark, and then Roger and Ian Glo- Ian Gillen would kind of just run with it and figure out how to turn it into a song. So that's that's your Mark II lineup is those five guys. Um, Ian Gillen left in '74, and so did Roger Glover. And uh, so that's what signaled the end of that era. But both of those guys are now back with Deep Purple and have been since 93. But when he came back, Richie left because Richie and Ian Gillen hate each other. <laughs> that's Why? another. That's another one of the great rock feuds. Why? Another, we got to talk about it. <laughs> 
Well, as great as or a greatest guitar player as Richie Blackmore is, he is known for being a very difficult person to work with. He's one of those guys that's that's intentionally very mysterious and very moody. He's one of those guys that will like you'll walk into his dressing room and all the lights are off, but he has a hundred candles lit, and he's just like sitting in all black, just like meditating. Oh my! Yeah. Uh, He's someone that, like, you know, you can't, like, he'll shun you if you talk to him directly without the proper introductions. And, like, he's just, he's one of those guys. And Ian Gillen is a very, like, no BS kind of guy. Like, he doesn't, he's very confrontational. And he was very headstrong about the direction he felt the band wanted to go. He wanted to take them in a soulful blues direction and Richie was just like no it's heavy metal all the way and they just they musically or personally there's one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard a musician say is Richie Blackmore talking about Ian Gillen and he said I'm going to try and remember exactly what he said he said one day I'm going to corner Ian Gillen in an alleyway He's a much bigger man than me, and he would probably win of a fight. So I'm going to get some guys with me. They'll probably be Swedish, and we're going to beat the living tar out of them. Why? Because he hates him so much. They didn't. When Deep Purple got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he Richie didn't come because he could not stand to be in the same room as him. Oh my! My oh my oh my! So it yeah. sounds like it's a one-sided feud, really. It's like Ian Ian Gillen is the kind of guy that he probably would be reason. He would be reasonable. He just he's he understood that Richie Blackmore is a very unpleasant person, and was just like, I'm not going to deal with it. <laughs> you guys, you all might be willing to. I'm I'm willing to sacrifice his creative genius. To not be in a band with him. Hmm. So after the metal album hits big, little. Mm-hmm. So uh, Fireball comes out after that, and Fireball was a bit of a letdown, but it's got some incredible songs on it. But that's their first. That's the first time when the Richie Gillen heads start to butt because Gillen wanted it again to be a little more funky a little more soulful a little more bluesy and Richie Richie hates Fireball he was just like that album was not what should have followed in rock and it didn't sell as well and so they were like okay so then after that comes the big album which is Machine Head Machine Head is considered one of the great rock albums of all time and it's it's one of those songs to where it's like every single song is a smash. And that was the point when Deep Purple kind of just like exploded in the rock world. It was the following year after that came out in 73, they were the number one selling album artist in the world. Ooh, that yep. is a title. Yep. And they toured relentlessly for that. They toured for 18 months straight. So they, they were going international at this point. Yeah. They uh, they recorded a, an album at the Budokan 
for that tour. Live at Budokan, let's go. And that album, Made in Japan, is kind of like, along with Alive, is like one of the first, like, great legendary rock live albums. That's so crazy. Is that where the whole Budokan thing started? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's like the first big live record to be recorded there. That's cool. And it's called Made in Japan, and it's it's nuts. They have like 30-minute versions of songs on there. That is cool. Like they literally, they Every literally song pushed, is an epic. They literally pushed how long you could fit music onto one side of a vinyl. That is so cool. And yeah, they're 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 an incredible live group. So and then just but after that, they they said that their management pushed them too hard, and immediately as soon as that tour was over, they were like, "Okay, get us another album." And it was after that that Ian Gillen said, I can't. I don't have the energy to to deal with Richie and be exhausted and try and make another album. So he's just like, I'm just step away. I'm done. I'll make this new album. They made one more album together called Who Do We Think We Are? And it is an incredibly subpar album. Oh. <laughs> because you, they you just, really built that up to be something good. No, they were they were fried at that point. They were just, they were run into the, there's one really, really good song on it. So the After Hours is going to be really weird. Yes. Because I feel like this is a high highs and low lows band. So then what what Ian go to do? I mean, he left the band, but did he go to some other music project? He, He started his own group, his solo project. And then he even did one album with Black Sabbath. Oh, that's cool. But it's like considered their worst album. Okay, that's more guy. Have you ever seen the picture of Born Again with like the satanic baby? Yes. That's the album. Oh no. But oh, honestly, God. it's not Ian Gillen's fault. That's it's one of the worst sounding albums you'll ever hear. It's mixed terribly. Worse than Saint Anger? Uh no, nothing's worse than Saint Anger. <laughs> <laughs> but it's bad. Um but they had a they actually had a very successful Mark III lineup. Like when when Ian and and Roger left, they freaking got an unknown singer named David Coverdale to be their vocalist. Which if you don't know who that is, he went on to become the lead singer of White Snake. I was about to say I recognize that name. So like he was an unknown, had never been in a band before. And they just pulled him out, and he like took them to even higher lengths. But that's going to be a time for another episode. So where are we just focusing on the early? We're gonna because that's the best place to enter with Deep Purple. Yeah. Is that is that it's the classic period, the classic lineup, Mark II, seventy to seventy four. That's where you start. All right. I had briefly considered doing kind of like an all encompassing for the first episode. And I was like, no, we just need to just go right into Mark Two. Is there anything we need to know for uh, Mark One? Um, we'll talk about Mark One in the after hours. Um, well, just just so we can get some some context for where the band had been at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty psychedelic, um, much more kind of like freestyle jamming, but also their first singer Rod Evans, he was much more of a crooner. Ian Gillen is a screamer. Not scream like Dave Grohl scream, but he 
has one of the highest pitched voices when he goes into that upper register. Like he's the pre Rob Halford. Oh yeah. Where he's just he's got some he's got some ridiculous pipes on him. Yeah. And Rod Evans just could so a lot of their stuff it's it sounds very dated when you listen to their sixties stuff. There's occasional moments where you're like, that's pretty cool. And obviously Hush is a great song. Yeah. But you listen to it and it's just kind of like you can tell that that Richie John and Ian Ian Pace are restricted by a singer that can't do for them what they really want to do. And it was just when once once Ian Gillen and Roger Glover joined, it was almost just it was immediately a full sprint. And you would never believe that the same band that did those first three records did in rock right after that. It's a it's a literal rebirth. Well, I'm excited to hear the rebirth and the oh. So my new favorite question to ask because I don't have time to listen. What is the deep purple sound that I'm supposed to be listening for? Um, so a, one of the biggest distinctions. So like, obviously, deep purple is not considered a heavy metal band now. They're considered hard rock, but at the time when when heavy metal wasn't clearly yet defined, they were part of a holy trinity along with uh, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. They were like the three heaviest bands of their time. And the thing that everyone always used to describe Deep Purple is they're the ones with the keyboard. The keyboard <laughs> is not a background instrument in Deep Purple. It is full front. Sometimes it's even more up front than the guitar is. There were parts that I found out later were the organ that I thought were guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, he's... John Lord is not just a keyboard player. He's specifically an organ player. He plays the Hammond organ, and he plays it ferociously. So it's expect a lot of just a lot of incredible low end from the from the organ. Um, expect a they're they're a band that's tight, but they're tight by being loose together. They're not, they're not like you think of Led Zeppelin. That's a tight group. Mm-hmm. But Deep Purple is much more loose, but they're, they're still, they groove so hard. Yeah. All right. And just expect a lot of virtuoso playing, a lot of virtuoso soloing. Um, and just expect it to be just, I mean, just expect a punch to the face. All right. I'm ready for that punch. All right. Any other things before we get to the next section? I'm ready. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the six songs that we've picked for this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode of the Good Music Podcast is brought to you by Southern Safe Rooms. When severe weather threatens, you want the maximum protection for you and those you love. 
If an intruder forces their way into your home, you need a secure space for you and your family to take shelter in order to stay safe. If you want a secure place to store your guns, guitars, or other valuables like drums, a custom shelter is the solution you need. Southern Safe Rooms builds custom certified safe rooms that can be installed in your home, garage, workshop, or anywhere you have a concrete reinforced slab. Southern Safe Rooms builds all of our safe rooms in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and can install them on any reinforced concrete slab. The Southern Safe Rooms custom storm shelters can withstand wind speeds of up to 250 miles per hour. Southern Safe Rooms have been tested by Texas Tech University and are built to exceed FEMA standards to withstand an EF5 tornado. The Southern Certified Safe Room is constructed with the highest quality materials, far exceeding conventional storm shelter construction. With over 110 years, count them, of steel manufacturing experience, Southern Safe Rooms knows how to build a secure shelter for your home. Call 918 918- Five eight four three three seven one, or visit our website southernsaferooms.com Welcome back everyone to this episode of the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Deep Purple and I personally am very excited for the upcoming Six Songs segment. For those of you who are new, welcome to the podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. And Lucas, can you explain to them what the purpose of this segment really is? All right, so this is the part of the episode where we just get to take a deep dive into some of the songs of the artist, kind of talk about them a little more, get a little more specific. Um, This is going to be, if you are not familiar with Deep Purple, or if you've never heard of them, or if you have a bad predisposition towards them, these are the six songs that are going to hopefully make you a fan of the band. So it's not just me picking what I think are their six best songs or what are my six favorite songs. These are the songs that are going to introduce you and hopefully get you more curious to learn about the band, as well as picking songs that transition more off of each other, that have an emotional ebb and flow that hopefully lead to a cathartic experience at the end. So the way you can listen to these songs is there's a link in the description of the episode it takes you to a Spotify playlist where you can hear not just these songs, but all the other songs from our previous episodes. And also, uh, Ethan and Grant have never heard these songs before. They don't know what songs are going to be coming up. So they're going to be listening to them live while we talk. So if you would like to follow along, they're going to do a countdown. You can hit play on your playlist as well and uh, join the fun. So I think we should go ahead and get started with what I think is one of the, just the best rock songs ever written. This is the deep purple. This is like the best song to start with. And it is. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Three time for highway. Highway star. All right. So give us the spiel on this. Okay. So this was the first deep purple song that I ever heard. Thanks to Rock Band. And um, this song is, in my opinion, like Smoke on the Water gets like all the attention. But like this song is like the Deep Purple song. And most and that's of the like, organ, right? 
Yep, that's the organ. Oh, so there's, the there's that scream. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hear in this one song every band member just at their absolute best. You're gonna get an incredible organ solo and an incredible guitar solo. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the song that opens their legendary Machine Head album. Mm-hmm. And um, the way this song came about was hilarious because um, they were on a tour bus and a reporter was on the tour bus. And he decided to ask them the snarky question of how do you write a song? You know, like if you're a musician, that's like the one question you don't want to answer. Yeah. yeah. And so Richie Blackmore being Richie Blackmore, he just decides, he just picks up and goes, Oh, I write one like this. And he just takes one note and just strums it. And just kind of looks out the window. And Ian Gillen comes over and starts going, oh, nobody going to take my car, going to race it. And they, they just like make this joke song just to like piss off the interviewer. <laughs> the interviewer awesome. So the interviewer gets off and they kind of look at each other and they go, actually, that was kind of cool. Let's finish it. <laughs> and they played it at that show that night. What? Wow. Pretty much in the version that we're hearing now. They came up with this song very quickly. Mm, that's just always how it is, it seems. So, I mean, this was this was this was a lightning in a bottle type of song where it was just like mm. it just it it came together at the perfect moment in such an easy, nonchalant way. And this in my opinion, this is like insane. Yeah, yeah, we got to we got uh, we just finished our second course and we got into the keyboard solo. Okay, yeah, here we go. I'm gonna let you just bask in this, Ethan. Yeah, the uh, there's some arpeggios. Yeah, please crazy don't have me ever cover this. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, I keep trying to convince um, my dad to put this on our Area 52 playlist, and I had to show him the chicken foot version. And we got pretty close, but um, uh, it's just it's gonna t- it's gonna take a little bit more work, I guess. I just this is something amazing. I, I'm I, this is this is one of the purple songs that I know of, obviously, right? I mentioned that in in, in first thoughts, like this and uh, Smoke on the Water. But it's like the first time you hear it, you're like, oh, this is just normal rock. But like, it's normal rock because this is what it created right like this as is soon genesis. as that first organ solo hits you realize this isn't just a normal rock song well i mean like like the um the verse and the chorus stuff it's like it seems very cliche but that's because it's like this was a genesis point of it you know yeah it wasn't cliche like, at the time no and, and that high scream ooh man oh man this this uh album cover is even weird too oh yeah Right. The guitar solo. Yeah, I guess this, this is one of my all-time favorite guitar solos. So normally, Richie Blackmore does not plan out his solos. He's he he loves to be spontaneous. This is one he said one of the very few times that he planned note for note exactly what he was going to do, because he had a he had a specific emotional journey he wanted to take the solo on, and this is this is widely considered to be one of the greatest classic rock solos of all time. Ooh ooh. That little section that was pretty good. Ooh, it's doubled now. 
that's very symphonic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and he's not the symphonic one of the band. That's the funny thing. Yeah. Ooh, but we got some arpeggiating. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is doing one. This is doing like a cemetery gate style progression, where yeah, it's like it starts a... off real melodic and then we get into some. Mm. What's that effect on there? He's just doubling himself. Mm. Yeah, you can you can get that from chorus. Um, yeah, this um, this was this was a very ahead of its time solo. No one was shredding like that in 1973. Wow! Like and they just go straight back in. It's crazy because he's like hitting the organ like a, like he's chugging it on the guitar. The like I can hear him doing that on the organ. Mm-hmm. It's just this this song is just on an insane level of showmanship. Right, we got about thirty seconds left. Yeah, we got about thirty seconds left of this. Song. Man, oh man, oh man, it's just on. It's just on. This is a crazy way to start the set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that you wanted to start it with Highway Star because it's just like it's that scream at the end kind of lets you know what you're in for, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna have a trash can ending, aren't we? Yep. For a six-minute song with no low points, that was very dynamic. You got two solos. Mm-hmm. Got two and solos. it goes by quite quickly. Yeah, oh my gosh. All so right. here we are going in our next song, Fireball. Ba, 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 ba. So, <laughs> so behold yeah. the majesty of Ian Pace. Okay, yeah, the drum the drum start. This is this is the Ooh. earliest example of a double bass groove in rock that I can find. Like and double he's bass got a double bass pedal? Uh no, he had two bass drums. Oh. You know, awesome. Yeah. Um Oh man. Yeah, this song freaking rocks. So this was is this after Machine Head? No, this was before Machine Head. So this is this is what Richie wanted the rest of the album to sound like. And this is really the the by far the heaviest song on that album. The rest of it kind of goes more towards, like I said, bluesy, funky territory. Yeah. But man, this song bring. I mean, it's 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 literally a fireball personified into music. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're keeping this same energy. Ooh. Drum solo, and then you got that high scream. Yeah, oh. that scream is incredible. It's like it's crazy that bit. this. It's like this is like seventies. Uh huh. Like this is this is seventy one. Like, that's ridiculous. This is pre Judas Priest, Motorhead, Iron Maiden. Like all of that comes from songs like this. Even Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin were not anywhere near this level of just of what they were doing. Yeah, you know, you know what this sounds like. This sounds like Kill 'Em All. It really does. It like, sounds like is, Kill 'Em All, just mixed slightly uh, more lo-fi. This is this is a metal song. This is not a hard rock song. Ooh, drum. Oh, that does the drum bass thing. Yeah, he did like a real fast, like or whatever it was. Oh my gosh, is this a keyboard or bass? Yeah, this is the keyboard. Yeah, he's about to go into a ridiculous solo. What? <laughs> that keyboard thing is crazy. Whoa! That analog. Whoa. That analog. You got weirdness. some crazy effects there. 
Ooh, yeah. Okay, Organzilla. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm already enjoying this. This is song number two, and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm so glad we're doing this episode. Wow. Wow. And he's going right back into the verse, kind of like the Highway Star thing. Mm-hmm. So what is the song about? This song is just about a woman that is really hot and she might be from outer space. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Deep purple, deep purple lyrics are not super deep. It's we kind of 30 the, seconds left. Yeah, it's not the focus. They focus much more on the music first. The tambourine coming in. The tambourine <laughs> coming in. But... Not kids in America tambourine. Oh, man, that tambourine is freaking loud. It is loud. It's the it's the one little critique I have of the song is that they could have put that down in the mix. <laughs> it's just like, tambourine now! Cowbell. It needs more cowbell. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right, we're on to our third song. Space, Space Truckin'. Truckin'. Oh, it's on this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're back to Machine Head. Yep. Is that a keyboard and bass doubling, or... Oh. Nope, just keyboard. And there's no guitar until we get to the verse. Just to throw that out there. There's not even a bass player playing right now? Yeah, there's something well, like a... he, he comes in when the drums come in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the drums the drums are in, obviously. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Dude, they have the Dude. guitar hard pan to the left and the keyboard hard pan to the right. And... And the um, the vocals came in, and the grooves changed yeah. slightly. Kind of picked up a little bit. Oh, you got the snare! You got the ka 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 snare. Mm-hmm. Yep. So th- this song, um, I've heard oh, this. Yeah, this is one of their big songs. Um, uh, the original idea that Richie Blackmore had was from the the '60s Batman theme. And you can hear it in the chorus. Yeah. And he came up with that line and he was he showed it to Ian Gill and was just like, I might have something, but let me know if this is really lame. And he played it and Ian Gill goes, I can turn that into a song. <laughs> and wow. um he just so the song is pretty much just a ton of space puns about um about you know, in the future, there's not going to be highway truckers. There's going to be space truckers. Like, it's got so many great lines. Like, we've got music in our solar system. And uh, we danced around the Borealis. Um, it's just, it's just, the whole thing is just filled with just, like, space puns. Again, it's not really saying anything deep. It's not the point of a lot of their music. Right before two minutes, we had a, ooh, Oh, we're getting some great Ian stuff going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah. That third verse is killer. It's like, uh, um, uh, gosh, not, ooh, Led Zeppelin. What's his name? Robert Plant. Robert Plant. Thank you. Uh, I'd say it's like, very, it's very Judas Priest. It's very, well, his tone is very Robert Plant, but his, his range and the way that he's screaming is very Halford. Yeah. Got a nice little drum solo going into the third chorus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a little guitar solo here. Yeah, you got a little guitar solo here. This is nice, That's a clean solo right there. Yeah. The focus, though, is we're going to get a drum solo. And we got some scraping on the other channel. 
that's oop. Scraping continues. We got some drum drumming. Mm-hmm. Is this just the Virtuoso album? Oh yeah. Oh. Everyone is just destroying their instrument on every song on this I album. I know what I'm doing after this. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's the album you go to after this episode's over. Is you go Ooh. listen to. So, we're going to this insane build to the final chorus. Mm-hmm. And you just listen to how fast he goes onto the snare drum here. Okay. And not just how fast he goes, but how hard he's hitting it while he's going fast. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh, that's... Wow. Wow! <laughs> that was like a proper, like, drumline roll. Yeah, that wasn't just like a nice little buzz. Like, he was smacking that thing. Yeah. This is, like, this is like one of them classic flat five metal riffs. Mm-hmm. This is metal. I really did not expect Deep Purple to be metal. Yeah, I mean, they they really did. We got there's like a, 20 seconds left. There's a reason why uh, Lars, this was the first band Lars gravitated to and decided, I want to be a metal musician. Oh, my no, this is blowing me away, dude. Oh my gosh. Fade out. Yeah, we gotta fade out. We gotta fade out. And then we're gonna go into uh, another legendary song right here. Smoke on the Water. So, I want you guys for this song to just put away all of the all of the, the presuppositions of this song. Because this is like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. You know, this, these is, this is one of those songs that is like, has become a meme at this point. Oh, for sure. I mean, like everyone's heard that guitar riff, but I feel like a lot of people have never really listened to the song. This is my first time ever critically listening to this song. Yeah. Most people have never really taken the time to listen to the song. They just know the riff and they assume they know the song. This is a really great song. Mm. This song also probably has the most... interesting story lyrically okay so this song is all about an experience that they had while recording this album Mm -hmm. and i mean this song paints it very literally it starts off with we all came out to montreux on the lake geneva shoreline it's literally Mm -hmm. where they recorded the record um they were supposed to record at this old theater and the night before they were start to record, Frank Zappa was doing a concert there. And in the middle of the show, someone shot a flare gun and the whole place caught on fire. Mm. And they ran out, went back to their hotel room, and they said that when they went out on the balcony, they could see across the lake the whole place burning down. And they just had the, they. Roger Glover said he had nightmares that night of smoke on the water and fire in the sky. And he woke up with that line in his head. Wow. Dang. And then he, but he said he didn't know what to do with it. And then two days later, Richie Blackmore comes over and says, I've got this riff. The bam, 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 And they're like, and he, Roger was like, Ooh, I've got a line that could go with that. Let's put a song together. Wow. I'm noticing a common theme. Mm hmm. Yeah. Usually Richie is always the one that comes up with the musical idea. 
And then, like, when he brings it to as much as him and Ian did not like each other, when they work together, that's when they made their best music. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever made it this far in this song before. No, yeah. it's 30 not seconds at all. See, the thing about that waterline uh, main riff is like you can use that as a lick when you need to fill space and can't think of anything. You know, especially in a blues scenario. And so I play that all the time to like mess with people. But this is my, this is wow. And the, the, I know the chorus line, right? At least. Um, but we're halfway through the song. I don't know where we're going. Oh, we're going to a guitar solo. This is, this is a great guitar solo. Oh, it's uh, nice and smooth, it's like silky tone. So, because of the fact that um, their original recording place got burnt down, they ended up having to record the album in a hotel. No way. Yep. They And they had this incredibly complex way of wiring everything. But the problem is, is that they got a lot of noise complaints because of it. When they were tracking this song, their roadies were barring the door shut as the police was trying to get in. <laughs> to tell them to unplug and turn off because they're keeping the entire hotel awake. That's the most metal thing. This was like the second take of the backing track before they barged in and shut everything down. <laughs> so they said while this t- the take that we're listening to right now was being laid down, the police were trying to get inside to turn it off. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That yeah. is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I yeah, bet, this... I bet uh, Roger Waters appreciates that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is it's it's strange. This is a this is in a way an underrated song. Yeah, because yeah. I, this is a song that I feel, and the reason why. I, I could have very easily not put it on the playlist just to be like, oh, I don't want to put smoke on the water. What an easy, obvious yeah. pick. But at the same time, it's just like, I guarantee that there's a lot of people that know the riff, know the name, and have never heard the song. Mm-hmm. And they need to because it's so much more than that riff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this grooves pretty well. Oh, <laughs> is that a reverse um, hi-hat or whatever it is? there's some kind of effect on it so they did not intend they also did not intend this to be like a big hit song this was not released as a single we got about 20 seconds left yeah this was a song that when they went on tour this was by popular demand the song that everyone wanted to hear oh we got a little bit of the fan favorite it just became uh it became the their sick right what's they the didn't... story behind when a blind man cries so as you can see it has the the cover of machine head but this mm-hmm. is actually not on machine head this is a b-side to the one single they did release from that album called never before okay and it did not make it on the album because richie blackmore hated it okay because he he thought it was wimpy to put a ballad on the album. 
He just wanted to have an album that was just pure, straight rock the whole time. But everyone else in the band loved it, and so they kept it around. As long as Richie was in the band, they never played it. But as soon as Richie left, they put it in every single one of their shows. Because this became like a huge fan favorite. Grant, you've probably heard Metallica's cover of this. Is it on Garage Inc.? No, it's um, it's on the acoustic live album, The Helping Hands, as well as mm. if you get the expanded edition of Hardwired, there's a studio version of it. I haven't, I haven't uh, listened to either of those things. That's the first time I heard it. I had no idea it was a Deep Purple song. And then I was, I was actually getting ready for this episode, and I someone across was like, "Oh, Deep Purple does that song." Hmm. This is very bluesy. Yes. It's, it's yeah, you got that silky smooth guitar tone. So, um what that title means and what the song means is that no matter how bad you think you have it, someone always has it worse. And that's kind of the general idea of the song. And so he's saying that when a blind man cries because a blind man's entire life is misery, that's when you know that that it's bad because he's not going to cry about anything. So when mm. the blind man cries, it's kind of like a figure of speech saying, you know, how bad's your situation? Make enough mm-hmm. blind man cry. Wow. The whole moral of the story being don't feel too bad for yourself because someone always has it worse. Yeah. Mm. But it's a beautiful song. And it's easy to see why it's kind of lived on one of the iconic songs off that album and it wasn't even on the album. I'd say <laughs> it's probably one of the most famous B-sides of all time. Mm-hmm. As far as a B-side that never that got cut from a record. Man. Yeah, this is... It's a little bit difficult in these beginning songs to like nail them down on their sound. It sounds like they're really versatile. I mean, that organ is in there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian Gillen really showing that he's not just a screaming vocalist. Yeah. He's got a great soul to his voice. Mm. Yeah, it is it oh, is we got like a 15 completely different color than we've had so far. It's not just completely go 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 go. I mean, obviously they they cut it from Machine Head for that for reach they wanted to, but anyway, here we go into our final song of the set, the 10-minute epic Child in Time. Of course, we got to end with an epic. And what I've an, heard this. What an epic of a song this is. Where have I heard this? I don't know. I don't think I would have shown it to you. Uh, 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 I, huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also one of those things that's a, it's a musical idea so simple that it probably feels familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you if you notice, this is from the In Rock album that 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 big rebirth, that first one of this lineup. Mm-hmm. Get ready for a journey on this one. Okay, this, this is going to go places you're not expecting. What what's the story? What should we be listening to for this uh, this epic? 
this is a anti-war song. So this is at the time when Vietnam was in full force and um, pretty much just saying, you know, no, war is bad, but kind of using more abstract language to depict that. It's it's not really saying anything super profound. It's again, like I said, with Deep Purple, the the words are are not as important, but it definitely the way he's phrasing everything helps to enhance the mood of what's being played. It's very ominous sounding. Mm-hmm. They added some reverb in his voice about halfway through that uh, verse. Ooh. You're gonna. Everyone is going to show you in this song why they are among the greatest of all time on their instruments. Ooh, such clear high notes. Oh, breaking it down? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm liking this. Awesome. I'm, I bet you by have a, some pretty intense moments. Oh, not, not just at the end. Ooh. Okay, so we're we're building slowly, I guess. Yep. Grant, have you heard this song? No, oh, no. Like like I told you, the only songs I've ever heard are Highway Star and that riff to Smoke on the Water. Yeah, Lucas, you've showed me this. I uh, have I? Yes. Okay. I recognize that specifically. The really high vocal. You know what? I think maybe we it was on played a it together. We played it. No, we played it together on Rock Band. That's what it was. That's probably true. I think I'm pretty sure that's what it is because this is one of the hardest songs on guitar on that game I've ever played. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. Higher and higher. Uh, ooh. Poor dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's insane, though, those notes that he's hitting. He needs to drink some hot tea after this, I guess. And let me tell you, when he when they do this song live, it's it's exactly. Wow. I mean, he I, just. I assume not today. No, not today. But like at the time. Uh, this like is dope. Were, yeah, we're up now. Three and a half minutes. So what you're about to get is a monster of a guitar solo. Hmm. And got some real delay on there. It really matches the uh, the album cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is rock. It is. Ooh, hoo hoo. This is off of In Rock. Yep. This is this is the big song of In Rock. Really? Ooh, the shuffle. Yeah. If you listen closely he's shuffling on the snare and so he's 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 shuffling on the snare and keeping time with the ride symbol i noticed that when i watched him play it live yeah you got the oh yeah and they're speeding up a little bit mm-hmm. Ooh, this is some crazy arpeggiating here Ooh. so no this way is, this is no 1970 way. Yeah. Like, this is pre-Randy Rhodes, pre-Van Halen, pre-Alex Lifeson. Like, this is this is the best shredding of its time. 
this is pretty good shredding for now. Yeah. You know, all things considered. Wow. I can see why that organ work is crazy too in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richie Blackmore. That organ is insane. Oh, they're speeding up a little bit. He's just keeping it keeping it fresh too. Oh yeah, everyone in this in this jam is just, I mean, doing some incredible stuff. When you start to pay attention to each individual thing, no one is is slacking. Wow. No, and and ooh, ooh, we're going into keyboard solo now. All of a sudden, well, it's not going to be a keyboard solo. It's going to be a it's a double lead harmonization. It is very harmonized. That that Dorian, that Dorian harmony. Ooh, (laughs) oh, and they cut out. It's six minutes. Sick. Ooh, boop. Boo, we're back to the intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this weird, creepy vibe. This I is, love this the is... sound of the organ during this section. That's got that little plunky sound to it. Like yeah. raindrops. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, uh, animals. Like, it, it belongs on animals, almost. On an Oh! Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Which was what year? 77. So, before it's time. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, again, it's it's crazy. This, this would have been incredible had it come out in, like, the late 70s, early 80s. But, like, the fact that this was so before everyone was doing anything like this. I think I was right in saying they were progressive. Yes. They were groundbreaking. It's a... It's... It's mind-numbing to me that it took them till 2015 to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mind wow, crazy. Because just again, because of the fact that most of their legacy revolves around heavy metal, just and their their pre-supposed hatred of all things metal. It just mm-hmm. that that for some reason always kept them from being inducted in. But they're in now. Yes, but John Lord should have been alive when they got inducted in. They could have been inducted in as early as the early 2000s. Early 2000s? Mm -hmm. Probably even late 90s. Yeah, I was going to say. And, you know, he, he should have been alive to have been able to enjoy getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sad. That always makes me sad whenever key members... That's how I felt about Yes. The only member to appear on every record up to the point that he died was Chris Squire on Bay. And, like, the year after he died, they got inducted in. And oh, just... they did it. They did an ABA... Um, uh, what's it called? Structure. Song structure, because now they're back to the intro. I'm going to guess there's another solo coming up right here. So they back into blues again. Uh, Do what? We're getting high screams right now. So he's doing the the the, the screams. 
mm-hmm. at the very end. Ooh, the drums. Oh my yeah, gosh, there's, dude, there's just so many things that are happening. I don't know where my ears need to go. It's gonna take a it's gonna take a serious left turn here in a second. Okay, we just took yeah. a left turn. I think we're taking the left turn right now. To, at to, to, to get us to the big ending. Oh, we got some freaky stuff going on. So you want to talk about depicting the madness and insanity of war of a soldier gone crazy. You're about to hear it. I mean, this is so psychedelic and so terrifying. Okay. This is cool. This is cool. And it's still, it's still like metal screens. (laughs) Oh, oh. It's War Pigsy. Yep. But it's real. Dang, Are they actually that recording that live? Fast. They didn't just speed that up, did they? Nope. Oh, no. We got 20 seconds. I guess we it's still got 20 seconds left. Is that a piano that they just, like, yeah. hit with a sledgehammer? <laughs> Probably. Oh, wow. So there's our set. Oh, my. That ended on a pretty dark note. A dark many notes in sustain on a piano pedal. Well, wow, 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 wow. well, I'm I'm pretty sure that Grant liked it. I loved it, guys. I'm gonna go listen to Machine Head. <laughs> I'll be right back. Yeah, you like uh, it, and that's all the time I have. We can today. do final thoughts in about forty minutes. <laughs> okay. But real quick, just kind of some uh, some quick thoughts about the set and as a whole. Well, okay, so it obviously started with that Highway Star Fireball One Two Punch. I think that was great. Uh, they were kind of one in the same vein, you know, some verse course, verse course, some soloing, verse course again. You know, um, I thought they were very punchy. They were very fast. They set the tone. Uh, by the time we got to space truck and smoke on the water, we were kind of we were kind of slowing things down a little bit, getting more into the groove of things, you know. Um, and then when a blind man cries was the left turn, right of the set. Um, and then Child of Time, of course, was the epic that took us to many different places and showed us all the different colors that we've seen so far. You know, kind of took us back all the way to that, you know, almost Highway Star Fireball feeling with the the soloing and, and you know those those intense parts and when, when we got to the end that was the there was another left turn <laughs> i don't know what to think i think it progressed from uh what you would expect deep purple to be into they also are right really really kind of expanding <laughs> You know what I mean? Like kind of yeah. showing you everything by showing you first what you do expect and then show you what you don't. That's kind of what I got. I expected a lot of stuff in the first half and I didn't expect a lot of stuff in the second half. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I'm I'm still like I'm trying to prepare my final thoughts because I loved the set. I I'm trying to like in my mind order in a weird way, I'm trying to order the songs, but like every time I go to a song, I'm like, yeah, but that one was so good. Like they're, I actually feel like the songs were all like way different. 
in in a weird kind of way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very diverse. That that's why whenever we got to when a blind man cries, I was just like, why is their sound so wide? You know, like in yeah, in because like Highway Star is definitely one way, and then you get to Fireball, and it's like kind of like. I mean, upbeat funk almost, you know, at the very end whenever they bring in the tambourine. Space trucking is, uh, I guess, a lot more classic, you know, in its approach because it's like, cat, 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 cat. Smoke on the Water, I really like. I mean, it's like all the songs are good in this own, in their own, like, weird way of, like, looking at it. And so I'm having trouble. And then Child in Time is just a freaking ridiculous song. Yep. But I thought that the set if if this is in a weird kind of way, it's like this I do think that the set does a good job of like especially for me who's like someone that's like completely pretty much new to Deep Purple. I think it's a good set list to introduce to the band because it's just like there's so many angles to look at the band through. I, I think I understand them more now as well, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and take another break here, and when we come back, we'll get to kind of wrap everything up in our final thoughts, talk about our favorite songs, and and do all that fun stuff, see where we sit. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our six songs from the week from Deep Purple, which were Highway Star, Fireball, Space Truckin', Smoke on the Water, When a Blind Man Cries, and the epic Child in Time. And now we are on to our last segment of the night, which is Final Thoughts. So at the beginning of the episode, we talk about first thoughts of the band, just gut reaction, where are we at? Um, Final Thoughts is just the time after we've talked about the history and we've talked about some of the songwriting and what the songs mean. Um, and kind of gotten to go through the set and kind of maybe we have a new perspective. So, Grant, would you start us up on your uh, new opinions of Deep Purple? Okay, so I still obviously don't know very much because all that I know is everything that, um, you know, the listeners have been here for. Um, and I do have, like, you know, as far as favorite songs, I liked all of the original machine head album songs um i have a personal predisposition towards highway star and so it's just i don't know that one's gonna be my favorite but if i didn't have to choose that one i'd have i'd choose fireball i think they're just like both of them were really punchy they were just really heavy uh space trucking was awesome as well just those first three were really great but highway star kind of just you know I guess it proves that it really stands above the rest. It it, it deserves its spot in the legendary, um, you know, song uh, upper echelon, um, which is great for Deep Purple that they, you know, wrote that just willy-nilly, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's like, I think I might, let's, I think that I was, okay, so I started as a five. A yep. very, very uninformed five. I knew barely anything. So five is neutral. Six right. is I kind of like it. And seven are there some songs of theirs that I love. 
Right. So, okay. Well, if you're, if you're going to go by that, then I'm already at seven. I'm already at seven and I'm going on eight. Wow. That's a huge jump. So, well, I think, I think that's fair because it's just, you had a great time to that set. I could tell. I keep, I know I keep hearing great things about deep purple. I think this is just the push that I needed that I needed with ghost that I needed with dream theater that I needed with, you know, kiss. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving it at that. I think this was the final push for me to, to go into the deep end of purple. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, how would you order the set? Oh, how would I order the set? Um, do least to, Least to the best. I don't want to. Mm, I don't want to do. Okay, it's actually tough. I think that this is way tougher than last week's. This is so to tough. Order. Okay, when a blind man cries, smoke on the water, space trucking, child in time, fireball, highway star. Ooh. Okay. Ethan? So basically, basically, yeah. I think I would order the set. I think I would put Fireball at the bottom. Ooh, at the bottom wow. I would probably do Fireball, Space Trekking, When a Blind Man Cries, Smoke on the Water. Oh, is Highway Star or Child in Time the better song? Uh, I think that I will put Highway Star at number two and Child in Time as the best song. I I think that Highway Star and Child in Time, I think that I don't know which one of those songs is better because I respect the epicness of Child in Time and the journey. But Highway Star is just a 10 out of 10 every single second of the song. It's like just the highway star is just because that's where I'm at right now. I was like, what's my favorite song? I don't know. I think that I would even be curious to hear the ranking because I'm just like between highway star and child in time. Yeah, I've legitimately is it's just like, man, child in time is impressive because it's long and it's a compositional masterpiece. But highway star is just. It's. It's just so compact and good. And the story behind it is pretty insane. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm leaving those tied. I guess I would I would rather... I, I can't even say which one I would rather listen to because they're so freaking <laughs> different. They're so different. Of song. It's like Highway Star is just... I'm on a bus and I'm looking out the window. And Child in Time is like I'm, I'm brooding... You know, <laughs> so I guess I'll leave this tied. I haven't even decided which one of those is my favorite one to listen to. Uh, I would say I start at a five and I'm I am probably a six or a seven. Now, I'm probably like a six and a half. I like the songs. I actually loved getting the little thing on Smoke in the Water. I, I really appreciated the history on Smoke in the Water. Or smoke on the water. Yeah, uh, I, that definitely helps me. Not, I mean, it's still the the crappy song that everyone plays at Guitar Center, but at least now I know, <laughs> you know, the context. 
Um, yeah, because I think the six is like I kind of like it. I definitely say I I like it, but I don't know if I would. I guess I would be a seven, but I don't know if I would return to them. I don't know if I would if I would come back and be like, oh, dude, I need to go back and listen to Child in Time. I might, though, because I, I have this good habit of going and starring all of my favorite songs from all the artists to let those things kind of get in my Spotify playlist a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so as stuff has kind of been coming back around, it's been giving me more solidification on some of the past stuff that we've done because I'll come back. Like probably what's going to happen is I'll be listening to like a made for you playlist and then highway star is going to come on and I'm going to be like excited about it. And that's how I'll know that I made it to a seven, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I'll get confirmation later. If highway star comes on and I'm like, yeah, dude, then I'll be like, I am a seven. And if I, if it, if it comes on, I'm like, I'm not really in the mood and I skip it. I'd probably say I was a six. Um, I would also say for you, Ethan, there's some other deep purple albums that I think that you would dig. Ooh, maybe for volume two. Yeah. Well, I already know where I'm going to go with volume two, which is the Mark three and Mark four. I'm uh, curious, Lucas, before your final thoughts, I want to, I want to hear. I want oh, ranking. I want to hear, I want to hear your least to favorite list. And then I want to hear the, the, the proper ranking because I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think that you, I hope that you struggled with putting Highway Star and Child in Time between the one and two spots, like I'm struggling with. Okay. And then secondarily, I, I hope, I, I think that you would put Child in Time as the number one spot because you like epics, but I am kind of putting Highway Star at the number one spot. Well, I'll start with uh, when a blind man cries was at number seventeen. Um. Space Truckin' is at number six. Smoke on the Water is number five. Fireball is number four. Child in Time is number two. And Highway Star is number one. Ooh, got it. You got it. Now, that's where I ranked it. My Where I would put it, my favorites, is I would still put When a Blind Man Cries at the bottom. I would actually put Smoke on the Water next. Then Fireball. Then. Then Child in Time. Then Space Truckin' and then Highway Star. Hmm. Space Truckin' is just, I love that song. It just, right. I, it's so fun to groove along to. Um, wow. Also, Harry's pick is undeniably Space Truckin'. I'll, I'll send you a guys I'll send you guys a video of him singing it and doing the dance moves. <laughs> he it's a usually a slam dunk anything that's outer space related. That's awesome. But man, he he not only sings space trucking, he screams space trucking. But he calls it space truck it. <laughs> space truck it. <laughs> He is like I'm. I'm uh, I show. I have Machine Head on vinyl, and I showed him the record, and I didn't tell him that Space Trucking was on it. And we were listening to it. And he was just like, "Oh, but I wanted to hear Space Truck. It is it not on the album?" I was just like, "Well, I guess we'll wait and see." And then it's the very last song on the album. 
and it comes on and he screamed. <laughs> so yeah, that was definitely his favorite. He loved Deep Purple in general. Um, for me, I moved from a I think I said I was a seven. Yep. I'm at a low nine at this point. Wow. Wow. Like Deep Purple has risen significantly through my research. Like so, even the, so you're even like loving the deep cuts. Yes. Um and man, just listening to Ian Pace on drums has just been so fun for me. And I've been incorporating some of his style into my playing. And trying to learn some of their songs and it's been helping my drumming a lot. So I've I've really I've really fallen in love with his drumming and 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 just really really recognizing how great everyone was at what they did. So I'm very very happy that I did this episode. Well, that about well, does it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, Please make sure to uh, hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. Next week is our fan-requested episode for the month. And we're going to be going into a genre we have not gone to before. And it's going to be in mostly the 90s. Yeah. So... Uh, make sure that you guys tune in for that. I think it's going to be a fascinating episode. Uh, I'm kind of hoping it's not like 90s alternative rock. Oh, we've already done that. Well, kind of. Maybe. Depending got, on... Like, I don't want to... Depending on your definitions, <laughs> you know. Like Soundgarden. We've oh, already... We are... That's not alternative. That's grunge. But anyway, it's... Poor, poor Ethan and his jazz mind. Yeah, I it's going to be interesting. <laughs> I think that Ethan's going to dig it, and I think Grant's going to dig it too. We usually um, dig it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, make sure you tune in for that. And um, if you want to let us know what artist you want us to do an episode on, then either send us a message on social media on Instagram or Facebook, or leave us a review with uh your favorite artist. We do one of these every month so um, we are listening to your requests there's a link to our patreon page in the description of the episode we are about to do our bad music podcast segment there it's going to be a lot of fun so make sure you check that out as well as you'll get access to episodes early and there's the other link that takes you to the spotify playlist make sure you go check it out check out these songs hopefully um our enthusiasm for them has at least made you curious and that's it for this week i'm lucas i'm grant i'm ethan keep on listening to good music